Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. But this verse says this, for we are his workmanship or his masterpieces created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So right off the bat, before we even get into this thing, I need you to know that this is how Jesus sees you as a masterpiece, his workmanship. And yeah, I know you're not perfect, neither am I, but he's working on you and he's working in us and through us. You need to embrace that from the start. Your masterpiece, your masterpiece. You may not feel like it, but it's true. Many people struggle with the question, who am I? The Bible says that you're God's workmanship and his masterpiece. This is how Jesus sees you. You're not perfect because he's still working on you. Jesus asked Jacob, who are you? He asked him so that Jacob could have an understanding of who he was. Pastor James says, when God shows up and asks you, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He wants you to understand where you are and that you are a work in progress. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 32 with part one of his message, Who Are You? Genesis 32, kind of the theme for this morning um, in one sense is, uh, who are you? Who are you? What is your identity? There's a little screen up there, hello, my name is, and there's a blank, a question mark in that blank. Um, What we're going to talk about this morning is getting really, getting right down to it of who, who are you? Not who other people think you are or say you are, and sometimes not even what you say about yourself. I want to know, you should want to know. What does the Lord say about you? Because that's the difference maker, right? That's, that's the difference maker. And before we start reading this, I actually want to start. I'm, I got this cross-reference, but I'm going to start this service off with this cross-reference. So you can just, I'm just going to read it to you guys. But Ephesians 2.10, I don't know if you guys have that underlined or highlighted in your Bible. You need to. You need to put stars by it. And you need to write a little note there that says, Jesus is talking about me. But this verse says this, for we are his workmanship or his masterpieces, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So right off the bat, before we even get into this thing, I need you to know that this is how Jesus sees you, as a masterpiece, his workmanship. And yeah, I know you're not perfect, neither am I, but he's working on you, and he's working in us and through us. You need to embrace that from the start, your masterpiece, your masterpiece. You may not feel like it, but it's true. So Genesis 32, this is a familiar text. Um, you guys did your family series this month, and this is concerning like two brothers, Jacob and Esau. I, I think they're very familiar characters that you guys have read about their story. Genesis 32 is going to find us where Jacob is going to wrestle. He's going to wrestle with a man, and I believe that that man is Jesus. But that's where we're going to pick up this morning. So Genesis 32, verse 22, it says this, and he, that's Jacob, arose that night and took his two wives two wives, my goodness, Um, and two female servants and his 11 sons, oh my goodness, 11 sons, and crossed over the four Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Verse 24, Jacob was left alone, was left all by himself. 
And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he had saw that he did not prevail against him, he, the man, touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? Who are you? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob or be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over uh, Penuel, the, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle shrank. So context wise, Jacob wrestling with who I believe is Jesus, okay? Uh, before you even get to this point, just so you're aware of what's going on, Jacob has been on the run his entire life. He comes from, yeah, it's a really sweet family. To, to have your dad as Isaac and your grandfather is Abraham, that's a pretty cool thing. But it doesn't mean that you're going to grow up absent from struggle, right? I don't care who your family is. It doesn't mean that you're going to live this life free of trouble, right? He grew up in this family, tremendous family. The promise of God has been placed, uh, given to Abraham and then carried on down to Isaac. And now it's being passed over to Jacob. But he grew up in this household where his dad, Isaac, and his mom, they, Rebecca, they loved their sons, but they had chose favorites within their family. If you know anything about the story, Jacob was loved by his mother and Esau was loved by his father. Now, it doesn't mean that his dad didn't love him, but his dad preferred Esau. And anytime you choose and you pick favorites within your family, everyone loses. Everyone loses. Even in this awesome family that's been chosen by God to do a tremendous thing, sin gets in this, and it can wreck things. And so there's this internal struggle going on. There was even a struggle inside the womb. Jacob and Esau, they're twins. And even when Esau came out, he was the first one out. But Jacob was holding on to his ankle. And they're like, that's a heel catcher right there. That's Jacob. That's how he got his name. He constantly was just competing with his brother and trying to get one up on his brother, even at birth. Jacob was promised the birthright that would naturally go to the oldest son. But God told his mom and his dad as well, the birthright is going to go to the younger. The older shall serve the younger. So even in that story where Jacob gets the birthright from Esau for a bowl of beans, basically, that was unnecessary. But this is Jacob. And I'm trying to identify for all of us his character. This is how he worked. He was a deceiver. He was a manipulator. This is how he was even from the beginning. And then we all know the story where he stole the blessing from his brother. His dad is getting you know, up there in age and his, his eyesight is going out and he can't really see that well. And Jacob's mom's like, listen, I'm going to dress you up. I'm going to put some animal skin on you. That's gross. Um, I'm going to make you hairy because your brother Esau literally means hairy. We got to dress you up when you got to smell like him. You got to feel like him. All for what? So we can trick your dad. So we can trick your dad into giving you the blessing that would go to Esau. This is mom's idea. Jacob goes right along with it. And he lies to his dad multiple times. Yes. And his dad had asked him that same question. Hey, who who are you? Are you really Esau? You sound like Jacob. Are you really Esau? 
No, I'm Esau. I promise. I'm Esau. I pro- I, I, and he brings God into this lie as well. I'm, I'm Esau. This is who he is. This is his character. This is what he was known for. And as soon as that event happened, Esau comes in and he knows what happens. And he, he understands that he just got one up again by his little brother. And he tells his little brother, as soon as dad is dead, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your life. As soon as our dad dies, you're a dead man. And so Jacob runs. His mom sends him on his way. The sad, sad thing about that story is Jacob's never going to see his mom again. She's going to pass away before he even comes back. You see how sin can mess up stuff? He didn't have to do that stuff. He didn't have to lie to his dad. He didn't have to do any of that stuff. But that's part of his character. That's part of who he is. So he goes on a run, and he runs back to where his mom's from so he can find a bride. And he's gonna, he ends up with two of them, like I said. He ends up with two because his uncle is just like him, a deceiver. Sneaks in Leah instead of Rachel. And then he works some more for Rachel. He spent 20 years with his uncle working there. And he learns from the master, so to speak. And then he one-ups his uncle. And then he runs away from his uncle. And that's where we find him in verse in chapter 32. As he gets to this point where he, he's about to go back into the promised land that God had promised to him. But he, know he, he knows he has to confront his past. And his past is his brother. You can't go into this promised land without dealing with your past, Jacob. Your brother's going to know you're there. You might as well just get it over with. So he's going back, and that's the, that's the first 21 verses of, of chapter 32. It's him sweating over this thing because he's got to go back. He's got to confront his brother. The last thing his brother told him was, you're a dead man. Now, his dad's still alive at this point in time, but his brother is probably still angry with him. So in that first 21 verses, we get this really cool insight, this window into Jacob's heart of what's going on inside there. And he's stressing like crazy. He does pray. I want to give him some credit. He does pray. But then he does exactly what I do when I'm stressed out. I'll go to the Lord. Sometimes it's afterwards, right? Sometimes it's like after all my plans don't work. But he goes to the Lord first and he prays to God. He's like, God, you have to show up. You got to do something. You got to do something. And then as soon as he says amen, he goes back to trying to solve his own problems. He's going to fix it, right? He's got his own plans. He's got his own ideas. Okay, if this happens, then, you know, then, then I got this backup plan where I can run away. I'll send my servants. And if Esau starts killing the servants, then that, that's going to give me and my family enough time to get out of town before he kills us. And he really puts himself at the end of that line just to really show you where he's at. Servants and all the stuff first. Then his wife and kids, and then himself. Just in, ca- just in case his brother's still angry and wants to kill him. He's got to go through all those people before he gets to Jacob. That's what his thinking was. Pretty selfish man, I think. But as he's stressing out about this, he, he, he sends them all ahead. And he gets word back that, hey, Esau is coming to meet you. And oh, by the way, he's got 400 trained soldiers with him. I think he's happy you're here. No, not at all, right? You got 400 trained soldiers with you. You're coming to handle business. You're not on good terms. He's not there to brag to his brother about, look what I've done. No, he's like, no, I'm here to take you out. But something happens on the journey. See, Jacob prayed to God, and God answered his prayer. But Jacob wasn't trusting in God, and Jacob went immediately to his own understanding and trying to plan this thing out, figure this thing out. It's not going to work. So that's where we get to verse 22. Jacob's been stressing all night. Then he, he sends out, you know, he divides his camp. 
Then he, 22, he says, he arose at night, took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons. They crossed over the ford. He took them and he separated himself from those guys. So he's all by himself. He's all by himself. And sometimes it's good for us to get alone so we can be alone with God. And it's the darkest part of night. He's there. He's all by himself. And he's thinking, I'm just going to get some rest because that's what I need. Stress levels are really high. What I need is just some sleep. What he didn't expect was Jesus to come in a la Hulk Hogan style, ripping off his shirt. Bruce Buffer's there saying, let's get ready to rumble. Like, Jacob's not ready for a wrestling match. I hope you understand that. When he prayed for Jesus to show up in his life or for God to come and show up in his life, he was praying, like, can you please just show up and tell me everything's going to be okay? Can you, like, hug me and pat me on the head and say, don't worry about it, Jacob. Everything's going to be cool. Remember the promise. You'll be all right. Yeah, he's going to be all right. What he wasn't anticipating was that Jesus showed up to wrestle. He can show up and hug you when he needs to. He'll show up and embrace you when he needs to, when you need that from him. But there are times where Jesus is going to show up in your life and he wants to wrestle with you. You need to understand that and you need to be okay with that because through that comes blessings. Through that can come blessings. See, that's probably not the picture you have of Jesus, is it? Right? The European Jesus, the blonde hair, the blue eyes and stuff. Now, I've envisioned Jesus like he's ready to rumble. He's a good, he's like a good father who likes to wrestle with his kids, develops character. So that's where he's at. He sends everybody away. He's there by himself. This man, as it says, the man wrestled with him until the break of day. Jacob was a very stubborn man, just like me. My wife's back there. She's nodding her head because she agrees. There's no one more stubborn than I am. Uh, and I'll fight you on, no, I won't do that. Um, I'm that stubborn. Uh, No, I'm super stubborn, and it's a pride issue. Listen, I know that. I've been wrestling with that for a long time. But Jacob is wrestling with him all night long. Shows how stubborn he is. Gets to the point where the sun is beginning to rise. And I want you to understand this about this text. When it says that he didn't prevail, it's not like Jesus couldn't beat Jacob. I hope you don't get that from that text. He could have touched his hip socket at the very beginning. He wanted to wrestle with Jacob. And he needed to get Jacob to the point where he knew and he understood, you can't beat me. Jacob, I don't care how clever you are. I don't care how many people you deceived, how many people you one-upped in your life. You will not beat me. And I'll let you exhaust yourself until you get to that point where you finally surrender and where it clicks in your brain, I can't beat this guy. I can't beat this guy. He will bring you to an end of yourself because that's where he needs us, where we're just done. Surrendered. So all day, then the, to the breaking of the day, verse 25 says, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and, and his hip was out of joint, dislocated. As he wrestled with him, Jacob is still continuing to hold on with all his might. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob responds to him. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, there's other cross references towards this, this instance where it says that Jacob is, he's been brought to tears. He is defeated, and he is clinging to this man, who, again, I believe is Jesus. He is clinging to him desperately, saying, I can't let you go. I can't let you go. You've broken me of everything. You've broken me of everything that that I once held as my confidence. I can't let you go until you bless me. And he held on to him. And here's the fascinating part of this whole story, verse 27. He says to him, who are you? 
Not just what's your name. He knows his name. He also knows his character. He's not asking so that he can gain an understanding of who he's been wrestling with. Jesus is asking the question so that Jacob can gain an understanding of who he is. See, when God showed up in the garden and Adam and Eve were playing the worst game of hide and go seek, God didn't ask, hey, Adam and Eve, where are you guys? Because he couldn't find them. The question was asked because he wanted them to realize that they were separated from him. See, God can show up in our lives and he'll say, hey, who are you? He's not asking because he doesn't know. He's asking because he wants you to understand where you're at. He's always working on us, guys. We're his masterpiece, his workmanship. It's, it's this continual work that's happening within our lives. And every so often, he's going to show up in our lives and he's going to say, hey, do you remember who you are? Are you believing the lies that get whispered in your ear? Those things reminding you of your past, all the mistakes, all the junk, all the stuff that happens to you. It happens to me. And praise God, he knows how to show up and say, hey, don't you remember who you are? Don't you remember what I've done for you? Don't you remember how I see you? The new identity I've given to you? The transformation? He's working on us. So he shows up in Jacob's life and says, what's your name? He shows up in our lives as well. I hope and I pray that he has shown up within your life. And he's asked you that same question, and you have responded like Jacob. Jacob tells him, very simply, Jacob. What he means by that is this. I'm Jacob. I'm the hill catcher. I'm the deceiver. I'm the runner. You touched my hip, and now I can't run anymore. That's who I am. You want to know who I am, God? This is who I am. I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. I'm a con man. That's who I am. That's how I'm known by other people. That's what I know is true of myself. You want to know? That's who I am. For the first time in his life, he owns up to who he is. Nowhere before in this story, in in his story, do we ever see him owning up to it like we do right there. So who are you? Who are you? I can tell you who I am. I'm a kid who got saved at 19 years old. Just celebrated my 20-year high school reunion, 2018. Two major life events in my life. High school reunion, I don't know if that's good or bad, um, but I made it through high school, and I had something to prove, I had something to show for it. Um, I'm not the same guy I was in high school. Praise God for that. I got to go back and reconnect with some friends that I love dearly. And say, I'm a pastor now. And they're like, no way. Oh, yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not many noble. Um, that's, that's the ones he chooses. Um, another thing that happened was I, I got connected with some family. My parents divorced when I was really young. Bad situation. Dad's an alcoholic and all that good stuff. Um, I probably like would be voted least likely to be standing before you today speaking in front of you if you knew my background, if you knew what I've, what, what I've gone through in my life. Uh, the kid who would never speak now has to speak every single Sunday. Literally, I refuse to speak. My own brother didn't think I could speak for a while, so and now I have to do it every single Sunday. I get to do it every single Sunday. But I got to connect with some family that I hadn't seen in like 20-something years, 25-something years, all on my dad's side. And I get to show up to those guys and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
You want to know why I don't drink? I stopped doing that my sophomore year in high school because I was so afraid to turn out like my dad. You want to know why I don't talk the way I, I just, man, God's given me a new tongue and I don't speak like that anymore. I don't do those things anymore. Man, I love Jesus and I love people. And my family got to see that and they experienced that and they got to feel that. It was the coolest thing ever. 2018, the, the latter half of 2018 was really sweet in that way. Amazing. Just part of the story for, for me and my journey, for my family and I, we brought in two foster kids into our house. Um, just nuts what the Lord's doing within our lives. We have this word, and it's a good word, and we have this truth that's found in there that Jesus can show up in our lives, and he can transform us, and he can make us new. And even for somebody who's been walking with him for 20 years, I can see that, you know what, he's still, he's still making me new. He's still working on me. And I'm excited for a new year, for new opportunities. Part of my plan and my goals is I'm, I know where my dad is, and I'm going to go and find him. And, sell, and I get to stand before him and say, hey, listen, I forgive you for everything. All because of Jesus. I hold nothing against you. I have no more bitterness in my heart towards him. None. Simply because Jesus has given me a new heart. When I was 19, he took this kid. He showed up in my life. It was, it was, I was all by myself in Colorado. Not where I'm from. No offense. No offense. Um, <laughs> Denver. They got the shirts on. Um, but I was all by myself there. And I had this realization. Jesus showed up. I bought a Bible. And I started reading this thing because I was going to Bible college. Um, yeah, I got accepted to Bible college, and I had no relationship with Jesus at all, okay? So it was Southern California, and I needed to get there because there's beaches out there, and I had heard from the Beach Boys that there's pretty girls out there. So I was like, sign me up. It's cheap, too. It's only two-year college. Let me, you know, I'm going. And uh, Jesus got a hold of my heart before he sent me out to Bible college. Praise God for that. Um, so I started reading his word, and then there was just one night where he showed up in my room, and I was just broken. And I knew. I knew. I mean, it was as clear as day. If I die, I'm going to hell. And I deserve it. And I said, right then and there, I just broke down. I'm crying. And I don't cry a lot. I'm not an emotional guy. Um, but I just, I'm weeping. I'm just crying. And I, said, and I said this to Jesus. I said, listen, this book says that you love me and that you died for me, and that you rose from the grave. I believe everything that you say in here. And I'm the most skeptical person. And I said, listen, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to go there. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. You have me. I waved the white flag. I surrendered. I was like, I'm done fighting. I'm done wrestling. He broke me that night. And it was the best thing that ever happened in my life to be broken by Jesus, so I can be used by Jesus. That's what Jacob is encountering here. He is broken by him so that he can be used by him, so that he has all of Jacob. The end of the story goes like this. Esau does come out to meet Jacob, but something happens. Remember the prayer he prayed. Something happens with Esau because he's not there to fight with his brother. He actually runs and embraces his brother and falls on his neck. And there's, there's crying. Jesus intervened.
beginning of the world has been a hotly contested topic for some time now, and the debate has caused many to dig deeper into their origin. The simplest answer is often the one that's correct. Our world and everything in it was molded and placed in its orbit by a supreme being, God. The account of this beginning and the first people to walk the earth is recorded for us in the pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. God's authority over nature and humankind has been evident from the start. He simply spoke and all took shape. God formed people to inhabit this beautiful planet, to care for it and for each other. Pastor James Grizzle has been taking the time to share God's plan for life from the pages of Genesis. And we hope you'll tune in again to continue the story. If you missed any part of today's message on Bread for the Broken, don't worry. You can find it now on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Listen through all of Pastor James' teachings that we've made available there, and feel free to share them with any friends or family you think would find it helpful. That website again is breadforthebroken.com. We're so glad you chose to spend time with us today, and we want you to know that we're keeping you in our prayers every time we produce another edition of this program. Each edition of Bread for the Broken is made with our listeners in mind, and we want to make sure our Creator is the first one we're all turning to. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Bread for the Broken. It's our prayer that every listener finds hope and new life in Jesus.